0: Hello everyone, good morning to you, and uh, if you're one of our guests, just so happy that you're here with us, and if you're looking for a church home, I'm going to tell you, I, I hope that you'll consider being a part of this church home, because there's, there's a lot of good stuff going on here, and, uh, and I'm not saying that to try to sell you on this congregation, uh, I'm not saying that because that's what I'm supposed to say as the preaching minister, I'm saying that because I really do have that, that conviction that that's where we're at right now as a, as a church family, as a congregation, that some really interesting things are about to happen. I have that expectancy. And I want you to know that that's sincere because in the last 15 years, I haven't always felt that way. I mean, there's, I'm, I'm just, I'm being real. I mean, there's been times where I felt like, you know, right now, what our church needs to do is experience some healing. Right now, what our church needs to do is, uh, get fired up. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of things. And, and that's not to say that those times were bad. That's all part of what it means to be God's servants. That it's a process. You're going through life. There's a time for everything. But, um. Even if you've been here for 15 years or more than 15 years, I want to share with you this sense of you know, impending launch, that things are about to, we're getting down to that final countdown where everything gets exciting, and then the mission begins. And you would think that everything has led up to the mission, but it just keeps happening, and this is how God works his mission it happens over and over again and every time that I think well I've done all I can do for God and I've seen all I can see and now I'm just like the old horse that has to go to the glue factory well guess what nope it's just we're gonna hit the button and start all over again and so if you've been here a while and you're thinking oh well you know the good old days are in the past no I'm telling you they're they're in the future they're right now and it can happen so, I had some time to think about it this week. I kept thinking of this word launch. How many things are launching? There's things that are getting ready to begin. Um, we're in that time period, too, with the first Sunday in August. Uh, we've been doing some, um, some work. I mean, we, you know, Larry announced the good news about acquiring the new property for the Lions for Christ. But we've also got the existing property and we've made some changes and some updates to that. And there's kind of a new vibrancy and a new life going into that. August 1st marked seven months of Celebrate Recovery. Yeah, we've been doing Celebrate Recovery for seven, for seven months. And yet, there's at least a dozen years of work that went into that. So in some ways, it's just now launching. I've been a part of a, a men's step study Uh, since last year that's part of celebrate recovery and today was our last sunday to meet and i'm kind of i'm kind of um sad about that i guess sad's too strong of a word uh i'm missing it already and yet it was like no this is just the beginning all of that was not to just finish it was to move on into something else And i got a word for college students. Some of our college students are back. And, you know, I remember the feeling at this time of year and around December and May, how wonderful it was that when you finished a class, you know, and and, and some of our college students are over here, high school, you don't get this. And if you're going into college, I want you to know the joy of this, that when that final was done, no matter what your grade was, it was done. It was over. You never had to take that class again. Well, there's a few instances where you do, but for the most part, I mean, even if it was a D, it was like, it's done, D for done, you know, it's over, and I don't have that feeling anymore about projects, and I thought at first something was wrong, and then I realized, no, everything is just a process that leads up to a new launch, because that's the way God's going to do everything in this world, everything in this world. I mean, you and I think that we're, we're, we're living and we're working so we can all go to heaven, well, then what? We're just going to sit around in rocking chairs up in clouds? Oh, boy. Heaven's boring. You know, I mean, what? but at least we're not in hell. Okay. Is that all we've got to look forward to? I think there's going to be new adventures. I think it's going to be, it's, it's something great and glorious. All of this life is just the beginning for a new creation, a new launch. So there's so many of these things that are getting ready to happen and I'm thinking about how it feels, and you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, and I, I want you to, to know that it's okay, that you may feel both a sense of excitement, but also a sense of anxiety, and that's okay. So, um, boy, I, I've, I've, re- I've really um, absorbed some Celebrate Recovery stuff because I made an acrostic out of launch. How about that? And, uh, and so if you like acrostic preaching, this sermon's for you. If, uh, if you don't, then grin and bear it. And if you don't know what an acrostic is, just listen. So the L in launch means let go. Letting go is how a launch begins. You do your checks, you, you, you work on everything, you get prepared, and then at some point, you've just got to write it out and go. One of the the best lessons I had in preaching um, was from a fellow that I heard at a seminar. I'd read his books, and I only heard him once in his life at a seminar, and he said, prepare every week as if the worship service and the sermon is all up to you. And then when you get in the pulpit, throw all your notes away and act like it's all up to God. And, And that's where you have that process of letting go. And I realize at this point, the, it's not from, the goal is not for me to deliver the perfect sermon or to do what I set out to do. It's to let these words be words that God can use in you and in me and in all of us to accomplish something. We, we tell stories. Uh, it's in our culture, you know, how hard it is to let go and how we have to learn to let go. Um, right now, with one of my sons living in Branson, and the other one getting ready to move in, into the, an apartment over here. I'm, um, you see, and I'm going to tell you this, and you can use this against me, but that's okay, because if you do, then then that's not on me, that's on you, and and God will hold you accountable. And um, now I'm just I'm just a little tired of the words empty nest, and and that's 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 not because I'm 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 misty or anything. It's just. It's just, where did, where did we come up with that goofy term, empty nest? It's like, you know, oh, you know, we're going to kick the baby birds out of the nest. No, they're not babies anymore. I mean, it's, I, I don't get this. And Now, um, that's not to say that I haven't had emotions going through these transitions. I mean, I'm getting to the point now that when we graduate some of our students here and they move off, I miss them. You know, there's things that we're letting go of right now. Uh, Some of you, if you're on Facebook, you read the uh, letter from the Bice family, and they're getting ready. This is their last Sunday here, and then they're going to move out and be missionaries in Fort Smith and start doing work with people so that um, they can reach people that would not be reached with the gospel in any other way. At the same time, I'm thinking, man, I don't want that pew in front of me empty, but I also want the gospel to be shared. And so there's that letting go, where I let it go, and I realize that the same God that works in me is the same God that works in them. And 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 you know, if Christ is preached, then God is praised. And and um, it's kind of a kind of a bad paraphrase of Philippians one, but I think you know what I'm saying. The uh, we tell stories about this and how uh, you know we 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 cling to these moments of transitions. Uh, You know the the parents who pack themselves in the suitcase uh, when their kids go off to college. The uh, you know the uh, the the helicopter parents who can't get out of the uh, classroom when they take the kid to kindergarten. Yeah, I get all that. Uh, These are strong themes in our society. But you know, back in April, you remember we had Hal Runkle here, and he was reminding us of the fact. And I love this: we're not raising kids; we're raising adults. The end game is to produce adults, and I've been at this now long enough that I see this. I got a couple over here and a couple over here, and less than a month ago they were—they—they—they were they, they, they not even a couple, you know—they were, they were engaged, but now they're newlyweds. I was sitting there thinking about that, and I'm thinking, what's the opposite of a newlywed? Is it an oldly married? I mean, what it, you know somebody like that one uh the um you know i don't know but um and then i think about the fact that all of these changes keep happening and you know and i can we can do a lot of that empty nest feeling even right here in church we empty pew rather than empty nest we you know i can think about people who are not here any longer some of them are gone As um, one of our shepherds, Barry Neal, I love the way he put it, that the graduating class, you know, they've graduated, I'm not talking about 12th grade, they've graduated this life to the next, and and it makes us sad to think about that. We mourn that they're not present with us, but we rejoice that their faith in God was strong right up to the end, and, and that God is good to them. It's... It's part of the interesting process of being God's people in this world. I think of people who, um, you know, I've, I've, I've appreciated them so much and what they meant to me, and then I have to let them go. Another one of my uh, friends in, in uh, theology is Gina Belote. Uh, I'm going to tell you, Gina has helped me write more sermons and class lessons she can think. I wish she was here. I'd say this right here so it would embarrass her, but you can tell her all about it she's not but she's she's getting ready to go to Bulgaria uh, September, October. Pray for her, see what you can do to support her. but here's the thing, as much as I want to keep her here. I know that she's needed over there and that God can use her over there and I know that God has put that in her heart. So I have to let go. And if I don't let go, then the mission doesn't go forward. And so every time that, that we um, think of letting go of our high school students or our college students, think back to the ones that we have let go. You know, it, it's, it's just not the case in our society that people are born graduate get married have kids grow old and die in the same town their entire life it's been known to happen but it's unlikely that it happens and maybe what we need to do is rethink things and realize okay we are now a spacefaring people And so people are going to go to other places, but what we'll do is we'll commit to this, that while we're making disciples right here, wherever people go, if they're with us for one year, two years, or if they're with us for 20 years, wherever they go next, they're going to be fully formed disciples who can can do good and glorify him. We're going to launch them, and part of that launch means that we're going to let them go. Ephesians 6.13 says, you know, there Paul's talking about the armor of God. And in Ephesians 6, he says, Put on the armor of God. Now, you would think that the next line is going to be, So you can go and beat up the devil. Or so that you can go and tear into people. Now, we put on the armor so that we can stand. And you and I are not called upon to make disciples for Jesus who have to lean on us. You and I are not called to make disciples who have to lean on the church. I've learned that any time in my ministry that I, I get into a position where people depend, that, that, that their faith and their growth as, as a disciple depends on my presence, I've done it wrong. Because all they should need is Christ. And they should be able to let go of me and I can let go of them because we are all in his hands. You're going to launch, you got to let go. You're not going to walk in space if you don't let go. This poor old astronaut's got an umbilical cord there. But you know what? That's the best they can do then. Nowadays, they can float them out there and they can fly all over the place. Yeah. You've got to learn to let go. And, and, and here's the other thing about letting go. When we let go... We get to experience adventure, and I'll tell you what's great about adventure. Adventure keeps us from getting stuck. Our society today is adverse to adventure, okay? We want to avoid risk. We do everything in our power to avoid risk. The day is coming where uh, parents, grandparents, adults, we're going to start putting people in bubble wrap so that nothing bad ever happens to them. And that when they start talking about doing something or going somewhere, we're going to fully chastise them. Edwin Friedman wrote a book called Failure of Nerve. If you're a leader in any capacity, read that book. Uh, our shepherds have read that book. That book has helped many church leaders. Friedman's uh, thesis is, it's, it's the same stuff that Hal Runkle was telling us back in April. That leaders do not have to be the smartest people in the room. Leaders do not have to be the people who've experienced every single experience. They don't have to be the best. They don't have to be in the 1%. Leaders just have to be the people who can manage themselves when everybody else is losing it. Leaders need to be the people who can be non-anxious when anxiety is going everywhere. And he starts out his book and he says the case in point is that um, you look back at what we consider our heritage, civilization, Western European society. Somewhere between the 1400s and the 1500s, we were stuck. Now, that's odd because right before that time period, you had the Renaissance. Some of you have been traveling this summer. You've seen uh, the uh, you know, wonderful uh, paintings and museums, sculptures, cathedrals, Uh, a lot of it comes out of the renaissance you're just amazed i mean here are these people in the 1300s and the 1400s and they can paint pictures that look like photographs i mean they were able to do all of these amazing things and they didn't even have photoshop they 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 were able to build incredible structures that still stand to this day we had more learning going on then We, we we had um We we had so many discoveries. There was a lot of knowledge. There was a discovery of new techniques for building. There There were advances in science and in health. And that's good. But still, society was stuck. The old systems were not changing. What it took for all of that learning to take root was adventure. Suddenly, in the midst of all that, Europeans discovered a new world. Yeah, crazy cat named Christopher Columbus, who's, you know, people don't really think a lot of him these days, but, you know, he, he discovers a new world, and it was a mistake. He was trying to get to India, and instead, he bumps into the Caribbean. He goofed okay and uh and, and a lot of indigenous peoples are upset about that now and and it it, it, it you know it it, it, it it was it was costly but here's the thing all of that discovery of a new world meant suddenly all this learning and everything means something you can do something with it you know we talk about how blessed we are that God has blessed us. He's blessed us with an education. He's blessed us with talented people. He's blessed us with the abilities to encourage one another. He's blessed us with all of these facilities. Okay, that's great. Do you think maybe that God's blessing us not just to keep us comfortable, but because he's saying, I've got an adventure for you. I think God is giving us, he's equipping us as if we're going on a mission. He's, the space program is just like adventure, uh between the 1400s and 1500s once the, the the president john f kennedy once he said that we need to go to the moon everybody well what are we how are we going to get there first thing we had to do was figure out how to get there the, you know the space program had to invent tools that do not exist just so they could do the work to get to the moon and you and i can stop at any point and say this is all too risky Let's just keep everything going like it is. And God is saying, I will equip you in ways you cannot imagine. Romans 12 says that we are called to be living sacrifices. The problem with living sacrifices is they want to wiggle off the altar. Living sacrifices don't want to stay there. But you and I are not asked to just be blessed. We're asked to lean into the adventure of God to give. And in giving, we don't lose, we gain everything. The nerve to press forward despite hardship, anxiety, or reactivity is what it means to have faith. And and I'm going to tell you that if we're going to launch, if we're going to launch into so many different things as individuals, as a, a church, then what we'll need to do to stay with the adventure is, here's your your you in launch. We've got to manage our anxiety because unmanaged anxiety will harm relationships. There's not a problem with anxiety. I want you to know that right now. It's it's natural. It's normal. It happens. It's the way God has made us. You You hear loud noises, you jump. That's to keep you alive. Um... You start feeling threatened, your adrenaline shoots into you, your eyes get wide. That's to keep you alive. That's to keep you alert. That's so you can protect others. That's so you can protect your children. But a lot of time our anxiety is triggered and we need to learn to manage that anxiety. We need to know what to do with it. Have you ever heard that expression running around like a chicken with its head cut off? Have you heard that expression? i have seen that i have literally seen that and it is a strange sight to behold i was walking i got up one saturday morning and i was walking down to my grandparents house on the path between our our houses and along comes this white feathered mass that looks like some strange creature flopping around with its wings flying and everything and i looked down there and there's my grandmother holding an axe I thought that's it we finally lost grandma it's 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 done but that was the first time I saw a chicken with its head cut off so when I use that phrase it's more than just an expression for me but we can that, that 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 phrase is meant to capture the chaos and the anxiety and the the just the absolute lack of any planning associated with it but just just absolute anxiety and we and sometimes we think that if i'm anxious then i need other people to feel the same anxiety i'm feeling then i just need to yell louder and say more and ring the alarm and scream and shout and then others will verify my anxiety well maybe there's a reason you're anxious there's always a reason maybe it's a good reason maybe it's not but the more that you fail to manage your anxiety process, the more you're going to hurt the relationships that matter to you. And the thing that you don't want to happen is the thing that will happen. Anxiety is like a virus. And if you're running around coughing your anxious virus on everybody, we're all going to get sick. But some of us know how to protect ourselves and take care of ourselves, and some of us know what to do. In the In the old days when they were sending those sailing vessels over to the new world and somebody on the boat got sick, they had a couple of options. You can throw them off the side into the ocean, you know because we don't want their plague, or if you're a little kinder. You put them in quarantine and make sure that nobody else comes into contact with them. And sometimes that's what we need to do. We all need a little time out every once in a while, and we need to learn to manage this because we can hurt the relationships that make the church the family of God. This is like in the launch procedure leading up to the space shuttle or a rocket or whatever it is that you have to check your systems, and if there's a go, then you're go for launch, but if there's a no go, you stop. And you say, okay, what do we need to do now so that we can continue on with the launch? And you know, for most of us, what we're going to find is that managing our own anxiety is not the challenge. It's the anxiety of others. And we get worried because other people are anxious and we wonder, we, yeah, anybody? See, right now, everybody's anxious because somebody's phone is ringing. And you're you're wondering, is he just going to keep going? You know, is it my phone? And you want to help someone. Listen, don't worry about that. It's done. It's taken care of. Now we can move on. See how how you manage anxiety? That's how you manage anxiety. And no, relationships are hard. The person whose phone is ringing is probably just embarrassed that I've said anything. But that's okay, because I don't know who they are, and none of the rest of us do. And we don't care. We're just glad it's not us. So (laughs) that's how you manage anxiety. And, and, And we can do that in church because sometimes we're afraid, well, if somebody's upset, then we've got to fix them. We've got to fix that situation. That's not what you and I are called to. We're not called to be the people who are responsible for fixing everybody else. We're called to be the disciples of Jesus. And um, I, for those of you who feel like, well, you know, yeah, but that's easy to say, but, but there's people that need to, there's just people who are very sensitive. I want you to know this. Sometimes it's the sensitive people who can be the most insensitive. Friedman in another book tells a story, and it's a little parable about a uh, young fellow who was born with a strange nervous condition. His nervous condition was such that his nerve endings would hang outside of his body. I know, gross, isn't it? And he would have these little nerve endings hanging out. And as he got older and older, the nerve endings just kept trailing all over the floor. And he'd walk around. just; They'd be like ribbons and stringers. And everywhere he would go, he would tell people, be careful, I'm sensitive. Be careful. Don't step on my nerve endings, you know. I have a nervous condition. Watch out for me. And of course, everybody wanted to be very careful around this young fellow, and so they were all very cautious about it. And he grew up, and he got married, and his poor wife was going nuts because now his nerve endings were everywhere, and if he walked into the house, he said, look at me, be careful. Be careful, my nerve endings are everywhere. You don't want to upset me. You don't want to step on my nerve endings. And finally, when she lost control and couldn't stand it anymore, she just went about her daily business in an ordinary way. And he would say, watch out for my nerve endings, and she would just go do her work. Sometimes she'd step on his nerve endings, and she'd say, sorry. Some days, she wouldn't. But if she had to do something, she did what she did. And finally, he learned to bring his nervous condition under control, and his nerve endings went back inside because she put it on him to manage his own condition And Friedman's moral to the story is beware of the insensitivity of the sensitive. You and I are not called to be a sensitive people. We're called to be a faithful people. So we got to manage our anxiety. That's what that's the gift that you give other people. Jesus taught us that. He said, don't be anxious. In the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things that he mentions with the coming of the kingdom of God, God, he says, don't be anxious. There's enough trouble in each day. God knows what you need. He's going to take care of you. We have no reason to be anxious. The other thing I want to see us do if we're going to launch disciples in so many different areas is nurture a visionary culture. I think this is one of the things that has been happening here more and more and more at West Ark. It's it's been here long before I've been here, but this has always been a visionary congregation. And I think if there's one thing about our DNA I want to see us build on and grow in, is to continue to nurture this visionary culture. You know, some of the ones that have gone on that are not here anymore, that we miss them. They're the kind of people who are can-do people. They're the kind of people who said, why not? We can do that. Um, You know, they 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 believed that things were possible and they trusted in God. And yet it's not just the big stuff. I liked what Kevin said about the butterfly effect, and sometimes it's the little things. You we need you to be a prayer pal for, for a simple reason. You need to be praying for somebody else's kid. See, having raised two, two children uh, here, I was, I was so thankful for people who were praying for my kids, who were paying attention to them. Not giving them all the attention in the world, just a prayer, just a prayer maybe once a week, every so often, because I knew that mattered. And I knew, I knew that they needed to be prayed for because they were my kids. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that, that, they needed that. And and the thing is, all of you parents here know the same thing. But here's the thing, you want somebody to be praying for your children, whose children are you going to pray for? You've got to share in that with the rest of us. And God's going to use that, and you're going to nurture a visionary culture. So on September 9th, when we have Prayer Pals Sunday, one of the things we'll do in here is we'll be talking to the the young people all the way from kindergarten to 12th grade. We'll be talking to all of them, and we'll be encouraging them. And you don't know that one word that you say to them might make a difference in how they see God and serve God. Now, at the same time that I tell you that, anxiety is going to kick in, and you're going to say, ooh, I could really mess it up. Yeah, you could, but I don't think you will again, it's not about being the smartest person. It's not about knowing how to manage kids. It's not about whether or not you're good with kids. It's not about any of that. Some of you say, you know, well, I'm not really good with kids. Well, you know what? There's some kids who aren't good with kids. We need you for that kid, you know, so that you and that kid can come together and you can say, I'm not good with kids. And that kid will say, neither am I. Good to meet you. We're pals. See, it all works together. But if we nurture a visionary culture, then all of a sudden, Kids get these crazy ideas that God can work in them. You know, I didn't grow grow up in the church. I didn't grow up outside the church. The way I prefer to say it is I grew up around the church. Because I was in and out, in and out, in and out. I don't know, you know, I never had the experience of having my parents, you know, fill me with anxiety and guilt about how to behave at church. Because they weren't there. And so it was a completely different set of challenges. The thing I, I found out was that these well-meaning people, some of them who hadn't, uh, you know, some of them very intelligent, very well-educated, some of them they quit school at the eighth grade, uh, some of them were farmers, some of them were, uh, you know, very wealthy and ran companies. But whatever it was, everything in between, school teachers, bus drivers. Policemen, insurance agents, just everything. Hay farmers. They all just said little words along the way that made me believe that maybe God's got a purpose for me. You don't have to be the children's minister. Our children's minister is asking you to help her to be a part of that. But in doing so, we'll nurture a visionary culture, and then we'll realize if we can do that for our children, then we can do that for one another. Do we think of church, do we think of our church family as a repressive environment? Where what we always have to do is be careful about what we say, how we act, how we behave, what we do. Or do we think of it as something much more, which is what God intended it to be. Where out there is not the truth, in here's the truth. We're, We're not behaving differently in here because... Out there is where real life is. No, that's where the lies are, is out there in the world. In here is where we learn the truth about ourselves. And you and I need to understand that. And if we do, we can build a visionary culture that tells people, look, you're not you're not old and broken. You're not young and stupid. You're not you know, worthless. You're not broken you're not sinful you're not poor you're not uh, narcissistic just whatever it may be you know all those labels that the world sticks on us in here we realize we're all god's kids they did a study with um a group of kids who lived in a um a, a burn ward and they were scarred they'd been burned and these Medical students who were doing this study noticed that the kids, when they were in the burn ward, were just like any other kid. But then when they would take them and they would go somewhere, the kids would act very shy and they'd be withdrawn. And then they would come back to the burn ward and they were the same. And one of the med students asked the, one of the kids, why is that? Why do you act that way? Because the kid said, because in here I know that everybody's just as scarred as I am. See, Part of having a visionary culture is not saying you have to be the best, you have to be the greatest, you have to, you know, achieve. It's about just reminding each other that, yeah, we're all scarred, but we're also his kids. And when you, when you realize that, then you realize that just about anything's possible. The C and launch is to remind us that the church is not the mission. Now, that may sound like a strange thing, and I want to explain it, but I do want to tell you, The church is not the mission. The church is us. You and I are not making disciples for the church. We're not making disciples for this church. You notice that we don't use phrases like mother church. That's because the church isn't our mother. We are the church. The church is a family. It's a group. It's an assembly. It's a a congregation of people you learned this as a kid cows come in herds um um uh, you, know, you know what what are some of the other ones uh elephants are in herds and you know you know these i mean there's some of them are really weird like crows are called a murder and uh you know and and a group of um uh, uh, sheep is a flock okay well a group of disciples is a church that's how i want you to think of the word church And if we make that the mission, though, we're going to get it all off. This is a picture of one of those space capsules coming down for splashdown. Now, what's interesting to me is that's considered the completion of the mission, and yet they've probably lost 95% of their spacecraft along the way. I mean, these guys are blasting off back in the old days and just wasting everything. Next part of the mission, lose part of your ship. Now what are we going to do? Lose another part of their ship. Now we're going to lose another part altogether. We're going to go to the moon. We're going to land on the moon. We're going to get in a little car. We're going to drive around. We're going to pick up rocks, leave the car, leave the little uh, moon lander, go back up to this tiny little ship, lose more of it, and then shoot out a couple of parachutes. And this broken little uh, container comes down and three guys come out and we're like, mission accomplished. I mean, when you stop and think about it like that, they did accomplish the mission. And there's littered parts all over the place from here to the moon. That makes sense when you realize all of that was meant to be used up so that the mission could be accomplished. You and I are the church. Paul said, the the apostle Paul said that he was poured out like a drink offering. His vision was you and I are going to be used up for the mission. We're we're, going to be broken and we're going to be tired and we're going to be worn out. We're going to be crushed but we're not going to be destroyed. The mission has a church. In John 12, Jesus says that unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, there is no harvest. There is no no new life. He wasn't talking about good gardening practices. And he wasn't just talking about his resurrection. He was talking about the way you and I live life. And that we've got to be willing to use it all up. Our goal is not to preserve facilities, take care of them, build new ones, sure. Minister to people, disciple people, send them off. But if it's for the mission, then everything has purpose. Even if it looks like we're just tossing it in the ocean. It all has purpose. And finally, one of my favorite sayings and I've changed it so it'll fit into the H. Harbor is safe, but ships were made to sail. The, the real statement is, ships are safe in harbor, but that's not what ships are for. And it's a poem written by a fellow named John Augustus Shedd in a book called Salt in My Attic. And he writes about this, this interesting truth that when you build a ship, it's meant to go places, it's meant to sail, it's meant to go on adventures, it's, it's meant to strike out after visions and go places, and yet, if you keep it in harbor, it will be safe, but guess what, it's going to rust and rot the same as any ship will. We all need a safe place, we all need to feel safe, we all need harbors where we can come to and we can check in, but understand, that is not the mission. This ship was meant to sail. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 16. He says, whoever intends to save his life will lose it. But whoever is willing to lose his life, whoever does lose his life for my sake and the sake of the gospel, will save it. Folks, we're getting ready to launch. Some of that will be symbolized in the fact that that we're going to bless some of our college students who are going to, wait, going to go away maybe for the first time in their uh, college career. Maybe um, many, they, they've been there many times, but you know what? It's all part of this launch process, them and so many others. So what we want to do right now is maybe you've been in harbor and you need to set sail. Maybe you have been anxious and you need some help and some support in managing that anxiety. Maybe it's time for you to go on an adventure. Maybe you need to let go. Well, church is here to help you with that mission. And I want you to understand that this is just one way of many. You can talk to these shepherds up here. You want to talk to the shepherds back there? Larry mentioned that they'll be available to you. So let's stand. Let's sing together. And then we're going to close with a, a, a blessing and a prayer today. I